4: Good morning everybody. Whoa, baby. We're not the captains. This these are the two lieutenants or maybe ensigns of the ship. Of oh, the ensigns, yes. Yeah, we're not we're we're never going to be on equal footing with the captain. And that would never. be Terry Waldrup and we are mildly known as Mark Kramer and Jamie Fox here on the edge on this Wednesday. Terry supposedly will be back tomorrow. So, how are you the morning, this morning, sir?
3: Well, I'm uh, I'm feeling like Billy Hamilton after that catch last night against the wall. Did you happen to see that?
4: I did see it, and they still lost 7-3 to three to the other worst team in the league, San Diego. <laughs> because their <laughs> well, pitchers gave up what? Three home runs.
3: It's still early, Mark. It's still rally time. There's yeah, only, it's still there's early still in
4: August. <laughs>
3: yeah. Well, I mean, it's, yeah, it's okay. You, you
4: could have lost 6-3 to, to the worst team in the league. Last that night, be, Mark, that would be the Cubs losing to the Giants. Ooh, ah, uh, so. what,
5: what
4: Yeah, that's happen happen on the road cubbies this year. That's on That'll the road, on. two time zones away. I don't know. Yeah. In San Francisco, where it's cold and uh, windy. Katana gave up four in the first, and that that didn't help. I mean, the Reds were at home in front of a a, a thriving throng of thirteen thousand. It was funny. You know, before we get on with everything, my dad. You know, we've just been recently in Cincinnati. And we had mezzanine seats behind home plate, which is the section above the box seats. And uh, so they were really good seats. But my dad, at his age, he can't see the ball off the bat unless he sits right behind uh, home plate, not down low, but, you know, up higher a little bit. So we had good seats anyway, but on the press box level. And my dad texted me last night and said the game just came on because he has the MLB package. And he said, there's not one person in the section we sat in. Not one person, nobody in a, in a section in the mezzanine behind home plate. There was not one person in the entire section that we sat in uh, for three days in July. Because, you know, you well, got to realize, too, that when those numbers are published, it's just like we talk about here sometimes with our local colleges during football, especially if it's a bad weather game. Where they say that the you know the attendance may have been twenty five thousand or twenty three thousand or whatever. Well, they automatically get to count season ticket holders. And so if you have a, a game like last night, uh midweek game, once school's getting ready to start with a team as bad as San Diego, you know, nobody not many people are gonna show up. You don't have many promotions during during the week where they're giving something away. <clears throat> if they announce thirteen, that means there was probably ten actually there because they are allowed – it's tickets sold, so they have to count season ticket people that didn't show up to the game. So,
3: hmm. Well, it kind of reminds me of the beer koozie I saw one time, uh, Mark, that said, uh, if you're a Reds fan, now that I've given up hope, I feel much better now. Yeah, so exactly. That, it's that's, like a, that's where you are. There's an
4: old Jerry right. Reed song from back in the 70s called the Crude Oil Blues. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that? Do you remember that? song? I don't. Oh, well, it was it was during the oil embargo in the mid 70s. And Jerry Reed, the country singer, came out with this song. And it's, of course, a parody kind of song. But right near the end of the song, he says he who expecting nothing ain't going to be deceived. (laughs) This (laughs) is true. And I love I've always loved that line. I've quoted that line uh, quite often in that kind of a situation. Uh, so if you're expecting nothing, don't be surprised because that's probably what you're going to get. So, again, well, welcome me, welcome to the edge. Let me edge. interject something yes, real sir.
3: quick there, Mark, on that. Uh, in, in, in about uh, something I saw uh, years and years ago, uh, and, you know, you laugh at those you love the most. Uh, someone had put a sign on the Monroe City Limit coming in from, I believe, the, uh, from the east, and it had – Welcome to Monroe, all ye who enter, leave hope behind. (laughs) So not exactly a ringing endorsement, but uh, that's where we are. All ye who enter, leave hope behind.
4: Yeah, there you (laughs) go. Again, welcome to the Edge, and we'd like to uh, acknowledge our sponsors in Mr. Bobby Manning, attorney at law, Dr. David Weber at North Monroe Animal Hospital, and Pie Works Pizza by Design. Thank those fine folks every time. We have an opportunity for sponsoring The Edge here on ESPN 97.7. Want to? We had a lot of text yesterday, even more after the show, about the subject we were talking about right at the end of the show yesterday. So want to continue at least in this first segment a little bit, and you can get us on the Washtenaw Valley Credit Union hotline and text line 888-993-7762. We want your opinion, of course, uh, whichever way you feel comfortable doing it. And what we were talking about was the, the concept yesterday, remember, Jamie, of, of Nick Saban and the different criticisms from uh, former players uh, about his practices, about his lack of communication. Uh, I know I, anybody that I've talked to uh, in our local area, coaches that have had any interaction with him on a recruiting basis when he's come in person, Uh, in North Louisiana to see a recruit, uh, that he's been uh, fairly arrogant to even the coaches of these high school players. So his his reputation has been well-earned and precedes him. So what we were talking about was, do people, as a general rule, and not just in athletics, but do people generally put up with more of rude or bad behavior from some, from an individual simply because they are successful.
3: Yes. I think uh, obviously you, you build some cachet if you have the, uh, the skins on the wall, like Saban has Uh, obviously, you know, Joe Paterno, you saw the extent to which the, uh, the Penn state folks went to defend him. Um, So, as a result, uh, when when all that scandal broke out up there. Obviously, uh, success buys you a lot of capital, uh, buys you also uh, extended contracts, and uh, I think uh, even fans tend to look the other way when sometimes players get in uh, off-the-field troubles. So, yeah, I think uh, arrogance, uh, you know, is tolerated a little bit more. Uh, I mean, living in Alabama, I think uh, the argument could be made that uh, Nick Saban is probably – uh, more powerful than certainly the college president of U of A and uh, probably the governor. I mean, it's uh, the, it's unbelievable um, how much weight. And a lot of that is, is carried forth, uh, Mark, through the years. I mean, it's always been Bear Bryant. I mean, it's always been a popular and influential position within the state. But because – and I don't know, you know, the argument can be made that, that Bear Bryant didn't allow pro sports into uh, – into Birmingham and the major metro metropolitan areas, and that's, that's probably with good reason, uh, they'll tell you now. You know, they don't want anything from a competitive standpoint. And since we're talking about players leaving due to competition, that's why I bring it up, they don't want anything to, uh, in any way, shape, or form, uh, dampen or put anything that would conflict with the ability of the Alabama football program to be successful and uh, to the point where I think uh, professional franchises don't even look there anymore. Um, but now, you know, to your point, there's uh, an article by Kevin Skarbinski this morning at AL.com uh, basically kind of defends Nick Saban and, and goes after the two kids, or three kids, David Cornwell, Blake Barnett, and Cooper Bateman in, uh, in particular. Uh, you know, is that basically uh, they didn't have the chest to be the quarterback at uh, – at Alabama, So uh, there's a lot of give and take here, and I think uh, basically you can bet at the end of the day, uh, Saban, you know, in the eyes of Alabama fans, and that's all that really matters, uh, at this point, Saban will be vindicated.
4: Well, and, you know, I guess the, the point of all of this is the fact that it's definitely an issue where I, I used to use the phrase, that act wears thin right if you're winning your act doesn't wear thin people tolerate what you do and how you act as long as you're being successful they don't want to quote rock the boat or put any kind of roadblock up in the way but you let somebody that has that kind of demeanor uh whether again it's a supervisor in a factory or you know some guy in an office or a head football coach baseball coach doesn't matter uh, as long as they're winning, one thing I can think of is Billy Martin. When he was man, you know, he was manager of the Yankees like 10 times. 10 different times. <laughs> you know, him and George Steinbrenner had this running feud. Well, George would put up with him, and George's personality wasn't the greatest either. But George would put up with him as long as they were winning. But as soon as they had a bad down year, all of a sudden, everything that Billy Martin did was a distraction. His actions with umpires and getting thrown out of games and and all of this kind of stuff. When he was winning, you didn't hear much from Steinbrenner about his actions on the field and in the dugout. But when they all of a sudden weren't very good, then you heard all kinds of stuff uh about complaining about well, he's out of control and and you know, he's given the team a bad reputation and all of this kind Mm -hmm. of stuff so it just uh it's i think it's an obvious answer the fact that people do put up with more from somebody who's in a position of authority if they're being successful
3: well there's no question about it and i mean the success that at uh, alabama in particular will will gain you you know and first alabama fans will admit that the the first time he goes seven and five and six and six in successive season it's a you know, it's not going to be tolerated as much. And uh, I can remember Skip Bertman uh, at LSU. I don't think he necessarily wanted this quoted, and it may have been said at a cocktail party that, you know, he um, he actually liked Nick Saban a lot, and they were very grateful for what he did. But uh, just the constant grind and the, you know, what he brought, he's, you know, he, he said he could be a pain in the backside sometimes, and uh, and he could because he. You know, there's no question that he'll he'll push the envelope to be successful. Uh, But then again, a lot of coaches are known for that, for that kind of personality, the drive they have. And, uh, you know, you're not going to outwork Nick Saban. That's that's no question about it. Um, What you leave in your wake, well, I mean, that's to be determined. You know, a lot of high school coaches around here weren't necessarily, you know, but like Ed Orgeron, I think he's – I think the success he's had at Alabama has made him perhaps a little easier to play for, uh, perhaps a little. I think he's he's comfortable, certainly in his own skin. Um, again, when it's time he signed through 2026, he does not have to pay a penny if he decides to leave Alabama and go somewhere else. At least that was the contract he signed with Mal Moore. I don't know if that's the case now. So he's comfortable in his own skin. He's got a lot of cachet. Um you know, he could leave this thing tomorrow and still have four national championships. So, again, it's good to be him, uh, and it's good to be 65 and have the financial security you do. And people can say what they want. Does it really matter? To Nick Saban, it doesn't.
4: Yeah, and you're right. It doesn't, it doesn't matter to him. He's on an island by himself. If you've seen the, the uh, mansion and grounds, if you want to call it that, that, that he lives on there in you know in Tuscaloosa. It's a, an amazing-looking place as well. Um, but, you know, that's why we talked about it yesterday. His That's why a lot of times when people say, well, you know, this guy's so great in college, he ought to go in, like, even in basketball. He ought to go to the NBA. Oh, this guy ought to coach in the NFL as great a coach as he is. You know, sometimes the philosophy and the way you do things in college and the control that you have over how you get your personnel doesn't translate to the professional level. And uh, old Nicky found that out real quick that uh, his way of doing things and his control freakiness uh, just didn't work in the NFL because the players didn't care for him. They didn't care for the practices, the practice schedule, or anything like that. So uh, he had a rough, rough time in his short term uh, with the Miami Dolphins. Are you too cool for school? Just ask the UCLA quarterback. We'll talk about that when we return here on the edge. Don't forget, support a local worthwhile charity, and that is the Special Olympics. That's brought to you by GB Cooley. Back after this.
6: Put the power and comfort of Lincoln in your hands with spectacular deals from J. Mallard Ford Lincoln. Get 4,000 customer cash back on new 2017 Navigators plus 0% financing for 72 months with approved credit. And that's in addition to the big J. Mallard discounts. Or see their selection of certified pre-owned Lincolns with factory warranties up to 100,000 miles. Your Lincoln is waiting at J. Mallard Ford Lincoln in Jonesboro. Visit jmallardford.com
2: a home is your comfort your shelter it's a place where you grow and become I always wanted that for us a backyard to play in a front porch to call ours a home we could be proud of because of Washita Valley Federal Credit Union we were able to have it
4: Washita Valley Federal Credit Union
2: making good things happen
6: When I got hurt in an accident, I didn't know how I would take care of my medical bills. I took out loans, borrowed from friends and family, but the bills kept piling up. That's when a friend told me to call attorney Bobby Manning. Bobby fought hard for me. He helped make things right. I'm so glad my friend told me to get Bobby.
3: I'm attorney Bobby Manning. If you've been involved in an accident, don't delay. Call me today.
2: Attorney Bobby Manning, office in Monroe. Call 324-1411. If you could talk to your animal when they say, (coughs) they're telling you to take me to North Monroe Animal Hospital, listen closely and you'll hear what Dr. David Weber hears. That's a thank you for taking me to North Monroe Animal Hospital. For your animal's health care, call Dr. David Weber at North Monroe Animal Hospital, 345-4545. No animal too small (coughs) or too large. Well, you better call Dr. Weber first on that one. 345-4545. How does it feel? You're officially living on the edge. Hit Terry Waldrop up at 888-993-7762 and let him know. It's the edge with Terry Waldrop on ESPN 97.7.
4: And we are back here on the edge. Mark Kramer, Jamie Foxx with you here again this morning we're glad to be here and we're glad that you're with us however you may be listening to us so you got Josh Rosa. I know this has got to get some texts and phone calls this is probably one of the hottest going to be one of the hottest topics for as long as this uh, media cycle lasts for this story UCLA quarterback he comes out and says that school and football don't mix. How in the world can you expect a guy to play upper level division one football and go to class at the same time?
3: Very carefully.
4: (laughs) It just shouldn't happen. And then he made a statement that actually is, it's controversial, but it's fairly accurate. And I've wondered myself as a former educator, I've been surprised that at some point, at some time, that this has never been taken to court, for example, by um, somebody that was not allowed or refused entrance into a college, maybe because their GPA wasn't high enough or something like that. That um, the fact that a lot of people on Athletic teams at a lot of the Division One schools uh, actually don't have the, you know, some of the required scores, but they're allowed to get in through NCA rules. Uh, when you've got some kid that applies to, you know, X University and doesn't get accepted, but then yet, uh, but yet you've got you've got athletes uh, that come in that don't have near the uh, requirements all either but they're allowed in anyway, and also on top of that, given scholarship money. Uh, so I'm surprised somebody's never taken that part of it to court. Let's go to the Washtenaw Valley Credit Union Hotline
0: and Bama Jim.
4: How are you this morning?
0: I'm doing fine. How are y'all doing? We're doing good. Good, good. You doing all right, Puff?
3: Jim, I'm glad you called because they are taking shots at the Crimson Tide. And I need you to respond to this. Yeah.
0: Well, well, (laughs) everybody knows how Saban is. I mean, everybody knows. I mean, there ain't no secrets. He don't hide nothing. He's just a class A personality. He, but he's successful. And you know, like Coach said, when you're successful, people put up with a lot more. I mean, go win four or five national championships. They'll put up with you, Puff. They'll pay you $12 million a year.
3: They do, and they, that's they will. You
0: gotta, uh, yeah. that, that's all you got to do, man. And there ain't much to it. I mean, he just... But, you know, they they created that monster over there. It, it's nobody's fault but the University of Alabama and all their supporters. They're they the ones that wanted him. They got him. And I... As big a Bama fan as I am, I know he's just—he's hard to play for. I'm sure. I don't know that personally, but I know that from what I've heard, he demands a lot, and uh, I guess that's what makes him a winner. That keeps him driven.
4: And those five-star recruits don't hurt.
0: Yeah, Jim. Yeah, when you got like forty of them, <laughs> when you mm-hmm. got three strings of five stars, you know. But you was talking about the SATs, Coach. Yes. Know, long, back in the 70s, I, I know you remember this, South Carolina left the ACC because they, they didn't want to put up with academic standards. That's right. You remember that? I do. The Gamecock said, no, nah, no, nah, we nah, that's too strict. We can't get no players. <laughs> and they left that. And, and they was in, in a purgatory for quite a few years because they was an independent but uh they finally got an SEC, and i guess everything's all right but you know you, you, you give you give an athlete a, a scholarship fully paid i know it's year by year but and then you got kids that really are smart and really need to go to school that don't get a chance i mean i don't understand sometimes but you know i ain't supposed to
4: well they may they may actually get to go somewhere but uh, you know, yeah. the, the point I was making was that at at, a, at the same school, maybe yeah. an athlete gets yeah. in that really doesn't meet the, whether it's GPA in high school or the uh, yeah. basic requirements. Now, there's basic requirements by the NCAA, but a lot of times some of the selective enrollment schools have a higher GPA requirement. And a lot of times maybe the athletes don't meet that, but the school lets them in anyway. But then there's yeah. a legitimate, you know, what I would call a legitimate college student that applies yeah. that doesn't have that GPA or that ACT score, and they're refused admission uh, be- uh, strictly based on what their academics were in high school and their testing, uh, simply because they weren't an, uh, an athlete or somebody that could help them win ball games.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that like I say, you know, us as fanatics. What we are—we're we're the fans. We're the fanatics. We—we—we uh, we, uh, we started so I guess. It just—but I had a—I got a good friend in North Carolina. His son applied to MIT, and I mean, this kid was smart. Smart went mm. to the state math and science school. I mean, slick.
3: Well, they—they they didn't
0: take him. So they said now nah, he didn't meet the requirements. But. Right down the road there in Durham, North Carolina, a little old school called Duke. They called him up and said, come on up here. <laughs> we'll take you. So, you know, it just depends. I don't know. But uh, mm. everybody gets a chance, I guess. But y'all are doing a good job. Keep old Puff straight. You know how he is.
4: It's tough to do, but <laughs> I'm trying my best. I
0: know. You, you, you do a good job. Keep though. him on the rails. Like. Yeah, I, When when you ain't around, it's over the edge. Now (laughs) It's just the edge. You know what I mean? I do. Hit
4: them straight, buddy. Thanks, Jim. 888-993-7762. Washtenaw Valley Credit Union hotline and the text line. You can get us just like Jim did. And uh, let us know. Now, this this can be, this could end up being a really, a kind of blown out of proportion issue with this, mm-hmm. with this thing, Jamie, because, yeah, you know, he's saying that the demands of football with, but you've got limited practice time. I mean, the NCAA tells them that they can only practice so many hours. They can only have so many hours in with, uh, you know, study in the film rooms and that kind of thing. And uh, so the other point that he's making is uh, you know and this is the thing just because he mentioned a school's name this is what everybody's starting to get all up in arms about and that is that he says if you make everybody st- st- uh, stick to a certain S- e- SAT standard he said how many th- how how many players on Alabama's team do you think are still going to be there what kind of team with would they have if you raise the SAT standards for uh, scholarship, ability to get scholarship in the NCAA. Uh, That was, and he specifically, of course, they're the ones that are on the top of the heap, so it's easier to kind of take a shot across their bow, so to speak. But that's uh, that's who he named. So now everybody's all up in arms about him mentioning Alabama by name and saying what kind of team would they have if the standards
3: were raised. It's a real good point, but I think one of the reasons Alabama's mentioned is because they're really at the top of the mountain right now, the pinnacle of college football as far as the success they've had. If you raise the SAT requirement at Alabama, I don't think it affects them at all because they'll just do the same thing that Stanford, Duke, Wake Forest, all these schools, Northwestern, with really rigid academic requirements, is they'll, they'll allow more selective admissions. Two Lane, same thing. Uh, now, it, when you're at a school like a Two Lane, or a, your, your your recruiting base is is a smaller one because you have to take kids. When he uh, Jim mentioned the young man that did not get admitted to MIT, I think there's a lot of issues that behind that that are probably more political than they are had anything to do with his test scores. Um, also, he was from you know uh, the southern part of the country, but. Um, if you're good enough to be considered for Duke and MIT, you know, yeah, you know, it's hard to hard to, uh, to be too upset about that. Um, but I think what will happen in a place like Alabama if they raise the SAT requirement, they do the same thing like, like uh, the other schools do. They'll just have more selective admissions, and they'll find a way to get kids into school that normally would not otherwise qualify. And that's – I think LSU would probably do the same thing. Um that's what they're – that's probably why the requirement isn't raised because, I mean, you look at at situations that fit the narrative. And in in this case, uh, you know, Northwestern, these schools like Notre Dame, Northwestern, all those take a great deal of pride in their academic prowess. And uh, then you start losing a lot of football games. I don't think right now the average – and I can speak to you because you're a big Notre Dame fan – right now – I don't think you really care what the requirements, the entrances are at Notre Dame. You just want to start winning some more ball games. Would that be a fair statement? Well, not, not really.
4: Because okay. I really admire schools that still don't compromise the academic standards. Of course, most of the time it's going to be you know a private school as, a, as opposed to uh, a state public college or university. But I admire the places that know that they're not going to be on the national level uh, competing for the national championship. They may get a top 25. you know, They may be in the top 20, top 25. But as far as legitimately competing for a national championship, um, they know if they stick to their standards academically that they're probably not going to be able to be there, but they still do it anyway. Uh, I think a lot of schools like that. Uh, that's why what um, Stanford is, has done in the last 10 years has been in the new environment with academics and and the way things are handled now in college football. Uh, that's what it impresses me a lot about Stanford because Stanford obviously has uh, some very stringent. Now, they're, as you said, to your point, their pool of potential recruits is much smaller, but they just have to find the highest quality athletes that still have the requirements academically to meet what Stanford's are, and they have to go get as many of those as they can get. And they've done a great job of being able to get some of those guys. Uh, You know, and I told the story the other day before we go to the break. If You remember when we hosted last week, uh, you know, I told the story about Notre Dame and their situation Uh, if they take the 100 top recruits in the country on on a list and they have to take it to their admissions office, well, once their admissions office is done doing background checks and academic checks and suspension checks with their high schools, when the coach at Notre Dame gets the list back, it usually only has about 40 names on it. So he just lost 60% of the amount of recruits that – all of the other schools in the country can recruit from. And so as a general rule, people pretty much, experts pretty much say that the top 10 to 15 teams in the country get about 10% of the top 100 players or the top 150 players uh, that are listed you know, by position and, uh, and talent level. So you figure you, that's, that's around 10 players per team or so. Uh, somewhere in there well if you've only got if you if you use that formula and you have 10 percent, and you can only recruit 35 or 40 of the top 100 because they're the only ones that meet your re- academic requirements at your school you're only talking about getting four players and you're not going to compete for a national championship by getting four of the top 100 or 150 players in the country and you only get four of them that's not going to cut it as far as getting to to that level where you're competing for the national title and that's just that's just a fact that's just the way it is so uh interesting dynamics of all of that uh as uh josh rosen has brought that up football and school don't go together we'll be back here on the edge in just a minute want to thank spa nouvelle go see those fine folks they'll take good care of you and your friends So just go by and see them. They also have gift certificates available uh, for all of the uh, services they have at Spa Nouvelle. So go see those fine folks. I've done both of those, and it's very, very good. Jamie and I will be back here on The Edge on ESPN 97.7.
1: For generations and still today, parents trust H. Michael Sports to gear kids up for youth football and soccer. All-star football helmets, $49.99. Champ Pro integrated football pants, extra small to Husky, $17.99. Shin guards to soccer balls, cleats for football or soccer. Good sports know, if it's on the field, it's in the store. Nike, Under Armour, Russell, Adidas, head to toe. Everything they need is at H. Michael Sports. Still on Forsyth, still local. H. Michael Sports. The 42nd Annual Pinecone Invitational will be held September 2nd through the 4th at Calvert Crossing Golf Club. The Pinecone is a pre flooded four ball golf tournament you will not want to miss. Your entry fee includes tea gifts, food and drinks each day, cash prizes, three rounds of tournament golf, and a practice round. Sponsorship opportunities are also available. Call Calvert Crossing Golf Club today to sign up. 397 0064. No need for you
5: to worry, no need for you to
2: fret. Coalbill Banker Group One, proven to be the best show. If you want to buy a share, put us to the test. Coalbill Banker Group One, put your mind.
6: Call us in West Monroe, Ruston, R. Monroe, Office 3610300. Each office independently owned and operated. Right announcer. Are you drowning in debt? You need relief.
0: Thank you for calling
2: James Spivey, Debt
6: Relief Specialist. Get Debt Relief today. Call James Spivey in West Monroe, 387-3666. Online, jspiveylaw.com. We are a debt relief agency. We help people file for bankruptcy under the bankruptcy code. Consultation fee is free and confidential. No money down bankruptcy on all Chapter 13 plans on qualified debtors. All attorney's fees, court costs, and expenses are paid later as part of your confirmed Chapter 13 plan. Call James Spivey, 387-3666. I'm back.
0: Your opinion do matter. going to step on
2: whomever. The Edge with Terry Waldrop is back and better than ever. Hit Terry up at 888-993-7762 to join in on all the fun.
4: Welcome back to The Edge. Let's face facts. Our opinion doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs>
3: It hasn't for quite some time, It hasn't for actually. quite yes. some
4: time, 888 because your opinion does matter to us here on The Edge. So you can get us on the Washtenaw Valley Federal Credit Union hotline or text line. Uh, the flip side or the other side of this coin of uh, this Josh Rosen thing, because you're probably, if you turn on any ESPN show today, uh, unless it's like NFL Live you're probably going to hear some sort of discussion uh, by whoever's on the show about Josh Rosen's comments. Uh, besides what we just talked about, the other part of his comments, Jamie, that I think is important to discuss is the fact that he says that, that, uh, that football, that it's like having two full-time jobs. Correct. Playing upper echelon Division one football and going to school is like having two full-time jobs. And uh, he thinks they don't mix. Now, I would take exception to that simply because you have guys, many people in on many upper echelon teams that graduate with a 4.0 in, you know, engineering, uh, you know, they're not taking basket weaving and 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 greeting card uh composition and they're g- graduating with honors in a lot of very difficult subjects it's just a matter of how you manage your time
3: well true um if you're in a pre-med curriculum though uh, you know Saul Graves addressed this this morning um with us about his grades were actually stronger during football season um than, than spring because he his uh, schedule was so structured. Of course, it takes a very very disciplined person like Saul is, you know.
4: Right, and that's why I mentioned time management.
3: Yeah, time management. Uh, and I don't think Rosen is necessarily, uh, if you read all his articles, he, for example, he, he said this quote, if you'll give me a little, uh, let me put this in. He said, don't get me started. I love school, but it's hard. It's cool because we're learning more applicable stuff in my major, which is economics not just the prerequisite stuff that's designed to filter out people, but football really dents my ability to take some classes that I need. There are a bunch of classes that are only offered one time. There was a class this spring I had to take, but there was a conflict with spring football. So basically, uh, you know, the the flip side of that is Carsell Jones, the ex-Ohio uh, State quarterback, now with uh, Los Angeles Chargers. I, that's hard for me to say. It is. Says, uh, says chill, bro, play school. So uh, – uh, you know, there's a lot of – you can definitely take the different slants both of them had towards school. I think Rosen's very serious about his academics, but uh, at the same time, it is it is extremely difficult, the time demands that made on you as a, as a college football player, an athlete in general. And uh, I do know, to your point that you mentioned, the NCAA tries to limit the amount of practice time you can have, which, uh, you know, maybe be better served uh, with those guys in, in – you know, in study hall and so forth. But at the same time, as you're a head coach, uh, and Brian Kelly, you know, will attest to this, you know, you're, you're charged with putting a winning product out there on the field. And obviously the more practice time, the more you can get kids, you know, number one, eligible, number two, keep them eligible, number three, have them, you know, operating every weekend as their peak performance. That's, that's, that's very difficult to do. I mean, I don't know, frankly, how you judge human performance week to week. But you're also asking them, you know, at a place like Stanford, for example, you know, you're asking them to perform at a very high level uh, academically, as well. And how long can you keep that? How long can you keep that going? You know, it's uh, I don't know. Um, I think Rosen's statement. I'm not a big fan of Rosen, by the way, but I think his his statements, uh, you know, are, are you know maybe are to the point. Maybe something that needs to be looked into a little bit more, but uh, it's going to be great with bringing it up. It's going to nothing be great, great for it talk. It's
4: going to be great for talk radio for probably a week or so, if not more. Let's go to the Washtenaw Valley Credit Union hotline and bring in Gordon. Good morning.
5: Hey, good morning, Terry. How you doing?
4: I'm doing fine. Uh,
5: just you know, like to comment a little bit on on the subject here. You go know, ahead. Uh, talking about. Student athletes at the next level uh, for their for their job of any sport, not just football, uh, not in basketball, baseball players, and they're all all involved. You know they have such a, a high uh, schedule or a big schedule in their life every day to balance education, go to class, and do their sport. Uh, you know, and I'm not necessarily just picking on football. I mean, all student athletes have a gift. They're called athletes, no different than a student who performs at a high level in the classroom. You know, they're all the same, they're, they're people just like uh, everyone else. Uh, you know, they have a talent, and that's their talent is to become an athlete. Uh, and you're, you're kind of isolating now the athlete in the education system uh, based off, you know, their ACT scores, uh, I think is wrong. Uh, it's no different than a band member or any, anybody else in the education system. You know, you, you, you can't, uh, sit there and pick on uh, a football player because he makes a lower ACT score, uh, based off his talent and his talent is to be an athlete. Um, you know, it is a little bit different uh, at each university and that's their standard to set. But, uh, you know, that's part of, uh, you know, life ain't fair. Uh, But these guys should be given just as much an opportunity based on their talent, what they have as anybody else.
4: You know, I can attest, Gordon, uh, and I'm not going to make this sound like, uh, you know, walking to school barefoot in the snow kind of thing. But uh, to your point, you know I was a college baseball player and you know in all actuality as far as travel and time is concerned softball and baseball are the two toughest college athletic travel schedule uh, sports to try to you know keep your academics up because sometimes you're gone on road trips for 10 days to two weeks where you're trying to uh, keep up stuff you're not in the classroom I know it's easier now with computers when I was in college we would do a like a five or four or five hour road trip on a bus and be coming back from playing a doubleheader, and we would have to be we would be up getting back at campus at 2 a.m. and we would be on the bus at midnight one o'clock in the morning uh, with a little piece of plywood across our uh, armrests of our of our seats and we'd be doing homework and studying for tests and stuff at 1 o'clock in the morning on the way back from that long of a road trip after playing a doubleheader. And so, you know, I can kind of attest to how your time management has to be. You know, you've got to get up when you get back at 2 a.m., you got to get up and, and take a test at 8 o'clock in the morning. You know, you just know that you got to do it, and you manage your time oh, that, that way, and you just go do it.
5: Absolutely. I, you know, I, I've, I've played college football. You know, unfortunately, I got caught in uh, in the NCAA back in 1990 when they changed the, the uh, requirements uh, as a player. Uh, I was recruited by West Point to go to Army. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I didn't meet that requirement to, on the English ACT part of – of West Point, but, you know, the whole time the coach was sitting there telling me, you know, hey, I can get you in, I can get you in. Right. No problem. Well, it, I got home. I had to end up going to JUCO. Uh, you know, so, but need to say, I finished my career at University of Central Arkansas. I enjoyed it. Um, and enjoyed playing there, and, and I will tell people every day, I hire people uh, in my occupation that come and play the through a program, played four years, I know what those people can do. I know the the challenges they faced every day. You know, for what my scholarship was, I was getting paid for about 25 cents an hour, but best I could figure it up.
4: Yep, that's right. Back
5: in the day, you know. And I promise you that when those people come out of those programs, if they can make it through a four-year university and, and balance those things every day, they can work for anybody in any place.
4: Good stuff, Gordon. And Appreciate I'm, I'm convinced. you,
5: man. I'm, yes, sir. Thank
4: good, you. good stuff. Thanks for coming in this morning. Really 888-993-7762. We've got uh, some text on the text line that we'll read after this break. You're listening to The Edge here on ESPN 97.7. Jamie and I will be back to wrap things up here on a Wednesday right after this.
1: tell you about my friends at North Monroe Animal Hospital, specializing in all medical and surgical care for small animals and even providing a boarding service. My friend, Dr. David Weber, and his staff are always my choice for my animals and should be yours as well. Located conveniently at 4300 Sterlington Road, which is 165 North, you can reach out to them at 345-4545. That's 345-4545. Tell them you heard it here on ESPN 97.7, North Monroe Animal Clinic, the official animal care provider of Terry Waldrop and The Edge.
6: When Led Zeppelin was on a stairway to heaven, he took the express elevator.
2: As a prank, he
6: installed screen doors on the Beatles' Yellow Submarine. Before he came along, the mamas and and papas only dreamed about Iowa. He showed Aerosmith which way to walk. He is the most interesting man on the radio. I don't know always play blues, rock, jam from nineteen seventy-three, but when I do, I play it on the peach. Rick Godfrey, morning six to ten on the peach, ninety-nine three. Keep listening, my friends. The West Washtaw Youth Sports Association registration opens on July twenty-second and ends on August the twenty-third for football, soccer, and cheerleading you can
3: register online at wysassociation.website siplay.com or check the website for registration dates at the complex cost for football and soccer is 90 dollars and cheerleading is 90 dollars plus
6: uniform
2: how does it feel you're officially living on the edge hit terry waldrop up at 888-993-7762 and let him know it's The Edge with Terry Waldrup on ESPN 97.7.
4: Welcome back to the final segment of The Edge here on ESPN 97.7. Jamie Foxx, Mark Kramer here with you on this Wednesday. I believe Terry will be back tomorrow. As we've been joking with Terry, maybe we should uh, be uh, – we will definitely be at the St. Frederick's Warrior basketball games this year.
3: Uh, without question, As Terry's yes. the uh, new head coach of the boys, perhaps with placards in hands and Oh uh, yeah.
4: Yeah, I already told yeah. him. I said you might as well get yeah. used to it because you're not going to do anything right when you and I and Warren uh are mm-hmm. fourth musketeer when we when we're there, he's not going to do anything right.
3: Well, first thing we're going to do is we're we're going to alert the LHSAA uh and we're going to have like an arrow pointing toward him. Um and it, I don't know. Actually, I'm looking forward. I, all kidding aside, I'm looking uh, if I'm a, a kid uh, going to St. Frederick, and I got a chance to play basketball uh, under a, a guy that's won a national championship at any level. Uh, I'm going to be pretty pumped up about that. So you
4: better believe it. And Terry, it's a do good gift for St. Frederick. Yeah, it really, it really is. is. Terry will do a great job, and and it is he a, will. It is an honor for those kids to be able to to uh, be able to take away all the knowledge that Terry has in uh in the game of basketball because he's a he'll be a teacher of the game which I as I've said many times basketball nowadays is the most overcoached and undertaught game uh, that there is in the United States that's why so many of the foreign players are kind of overtaking a lot of the American players because they're so much more fundamental uh, than a lot of our players are because our our system going almost all the way down to junior high has turned into nothing but uh, AAU ball. And the kids just don't learn a whole lot. So uh, they'll be, they'll get a wealth of teaching knowledge about the game of basketball from, from old coach Waldrop. I want to go yeah, they to may the, not wa- be the most
3: talented, yeah. but uh, you can, you can bet that they will be fundamentally. And they'll sound. play hard I guarantee you that. and they'll, <laughs> they'll play
4: hard. I guarantee you that uh, go to the Washtenaw Valley credit union text line and, Uh, Steve texts in and says uh, to what we've been talking about, don't football players have many advantages that regular students do not? That's true. Things like training table. uh, The food's definitely a lot better. Uh, Related to this, have you fellows heard about being able to major in football? It's kind of like specializing in medicine. There has been a, a lot of talk in the NFL creating a minor league. But wouldn't this be a detriment to the college game? Either way, I guess they could learn the craft of football better, but then what would happen to the 95% of those who don't make it? And uh, thank you, Steve, for your text. I think that's a good point because, you know, we hear horror stories all the time. Uh, there's always the, been the controversy of the one and duns in basketball. Well, of the guys that do make it, that leave early, uh, from the from college to try and get in the NBA draft probably 85 90% of them don't make it and even though we hear about and see because of their success uh, if they have it we see the guys that make it but what about all those guys that don't that were using basketball they can't go back to, they can go back to college but not on scholarship and so what about those guys you know there's so many stories about guys that uh end up you know being jobless can't find a job because they don't have uh you know they haven't got any kind of skills or anything and there's just a lot of stories about that kind of thing of a minor league in football to me wouldn't make a whole lot of sense um and I think, I think to Steve's point, I think it would hurt college football because you'd have a lot of kids thinking that they're going to be, you know, uh, Joe Studd in the NFL, but would go to a minor league first out of high school and say they get hurt and can't play anymore, you know, get a devastating knee injury, for example, and can't play anymore. Well – They've already burned their ability to go to college, and now they can't play football. And so there's a lot. There's a double-edged sword, but I think the the edge on the side of a detriment to the athlete is outweighs more than the benefits would be of having some sort of minor league football.
3: Uh, Mark, I think there's a lot of areas you can go. They were talking this morning uh, about – uh, to Josh Rosen's point about a lot of these kids now are, are really not college material. And, you know, you could say probably the same thing about you and me and, and Terry Waltrip and, and Warren Guerrero. We may not have really been college material, but we muttered through it. Um, so maybe maybe the answers are, are twofold. Number one is uh, I think most kids are ill-advised to go pro as early as they do, um, but most of the reasons they do it are for hardship reasons. Uh, maybe have something where if they're not drafted they have the opportunity to come back although usually by that time their scholarships are already accounted for by another player who's been recruited um, maybe allow for something like that maybe have a, a, a instead of 13 in college basketball you have 15 to allow for maybe a couple of kids who don't get drafted to come back uh, what I'm talking about is opportunity and maybe not have a college curriculum per se maybe a kid really just wants to be a mechanic i mean you know there's nothing better than you know uh being a trying to find a good mechanic is 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 not the easiest thing in the world so if this kid maybe isn't majoring in in academics what's wrong with that i mean you're still putting uh you know a kid through he still has a structure of school in this case it just happens to be toward a trade um i think there's a lot of A lot of answers out there that we're really not looking into. Um, Not everybody, I mean, I think it should be about opportunity. I think the longer a kid stays in school, the better. Um, I think it would have, you and I talked yesterday about, I think it would have benefited Johnny Manziel tremendously. Well,
4: the maturation physically and emotionally and socially uh, is huge. Most of these guys, Jamie, to your point that misstep, uh, in their early years in college, uh, whether it's getting into trouble or failing academically or whatever, a lot of times is because of immaturity. Uh, they're thrown into a situation where they're getting all this attention all of a sudden, and, uh, it's not easy to handle. The longer you're in it, the more you can learn the, uh, pitfalls and the, and kind of the stumbling blocks that can put you off the road. And, you can learn a lot more about how to navigate those waters, the longer you're in it, and so you know I totally agree. We do have a uh, an interesting text here, on the uh, on the text line uh, from our good friend Warren, who talking about your comment about academics. He says talking to he was talking to me he says you and I were fine. He says tell Jamie to speak for himself. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, <laughs> that could be a breakfast subject. I,
3: yeah, I think also that, that certainly could be. And um, it, it, I can't believe someone actually paid for Warren to go to school. He, he got a little bit of scholarship help uh, <laughs> and actually was a pretty good pitcher. Maybe he would be the one that uh, could speak to this. But, um, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm totally in agreement. I mean, it was uh, – and I've said this about my own son. He uh, – wh- none of us have ever – and the fox family have ever graduated summa cum laude it was oh my laude uh we made it hallelujah let's all join hands and contact the living but we did and uh but we were you know we were fortunate in in that respect but uh i think college athletics should be about opportunity i mean you benefited from it warren benefited from it terry benefited others uh by giving kids scholarships so i think it's it's uh, – we need to find ways, number one, to keep kids as uh, – yes, there's a lot of advantages college athletes do get, but trust me. I mean, you're out here in a – you know, with heat indexes sometimes at 102, and you're trying to – sometimes it's just a matter of survival. It's a hard way to go to school. It really is. Yeah, it is. So people – you know, so people that, that can get medical degrees out of this and go on and take advantage of it, I mean, you have to understand. I mean, Saul Gray's is such an exception. Uh, not, you know, people that do that. And I think he'd be the first one to admit that. I mean, it's not, it's not everybody, but he's, you know, he's just incredibly bright. And, and that's great. But not everybody. And, and I think this is more, um, Mark, an indictment of where the educational system is prior to college. I mean, the problem is not colleges per se, it's getting kids college ready. Yes. And there's so many things going on right now in the education system that does not either – there there does need to be a different track There, does, to this point where kids that, that can learn a trade and can be productive citizens that don't necessarily – some of the smartest people I've right, ever met. Right, that don't never need to go a, to
4: college, that are well, good at and, electronics and or automotive right. or something like that. And, and that's great, too, because they're just as important as, you know, somebody that's the CEO of a company somewhere. And I know it's time for us to hop out of here, but the last thing to your point that I that I would I would say is that you're absolutely right about uh, our below college educational system. Unfortunately, now teachers have to teach to the test because they're so the you know administrators nationwide now are so hung up on the standardized testing being a measure of how a teacher's doing or how a school's doing. I can tell you from experience, having been an educator uh, before this time period, you know, more than 25 years ago, that that's not necessarily the case or necessarily good. Uh, I think the teachers are not being allowed to branch out and and use new ideas. And when and I think that's where our educational system is lacking is the fact that teachers can't just teach anymore. They have to teach to the test because that's how, they, that's how everybody's measuring everybody's effectiveness is by standardized testing, and that's not necessarily uh, going to measure how successful uh, a particular student is or even how bright they are, and uh, I think that's where we're kind of being held back on the high school and below level. That's just a one former educator's opinion. But uh, it's been great. Jamie, thanks as always. Always enjoy it. Thanks to Terry for asking me to fill in for a couple of days. He'll be back tomorrow. And, of course, we have the greatest producer in radio, John Tabor, and he's been part of the show today. Actually got on the mic to dog the Reds and then dog his Chicago Cubs. So what about that? A shocker. Uh, Sean Fox will be on with the Sports Company this afternoon at 3 o'clock. Join those guys and then Aaron on the morning drive tomorrow morning and Terry and Jamie will be back tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock for another edition of The Edge. So for Jamie Foxx, this is Mark Kramer. Don't forget, don't live life safe. Live it on The Edge. Have a great day.
2: Thanks for listening to The Edge with Terry Waldrop. No matter what the topic, Terry will take it on. He's not scared, and you better not be either. We want to see you right back here every single weekday from 9 to 10 a.m. on ESPN 977 and ESPN977.com.